In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, so the middle of the Gospel of Luke, if you were to read Luke straight through as a book, the middle of Luke reads something like a travelogue of a professional traveler at times. We get pictures of Jesus throughout Luke in some small, obscure town and different regions of Galilee that are really of no significance to the world. And so we get different pictures of Jesus in these different towns. Some days he's eating with Pharisees. Some days he's just teaching all day. Some days he's interacting with social outcasts. Some days he's just walking. And some days he's casting out demons. And he's moving from one town to another, one landscape to another. Well, following his transfiguration in chapter 9 of Luke, when this travelogue really begins and we see Jesus going from one town to another, we're told that Jesus is setting his face to Jerusalem. To set your face towards something is to be resolute, not backing down from challenges. So the biblical phrase, to set your face to somewhere, is similar to how we might say, face your fears. And so if we were to read the Gospel of Luke in its entirety, something would become clear to us. Jesus, in these chapters, is not traveling aimlessly. Rather, he had a very clear sense of direction, and he had a very clear purpose. Though he teaches and heals along the way, Jesus' focus was really on one thing, and that's getting to Jerusalem. And whatever challenges lie between Jesus at the Mount of Transfiguration and Jerusalem were secondary, because the whole gospel is oriented toward one thing, Jesus' determination to get to Jerusalem. This is where our gospel reading this morning fits in. It's in the middle of this big travelogue of the Gospel of Luke. And so while Jesus is in Galilee, and that's the small region north of Jerusalem, some Pharisees come to him, and they inform him that Herod is seeking to kill him, and that Jesus needs to flee. Jesus needs to get out of Dodge. Well, our first impression when reading this story should be to question the motives of the Pharisees. These are the same people who are always criticizing Jesus. They're always trying to snare Jesus in some sort of gotcha trap. Why now, all of a sudden, are these Pharisees looking out for Jesus' welfare? That seems a little suspicious. Well, I think the Pharisees are not so much trying to help Jesus and to spare his life, I think they're trying to scare Jesus from doing his work. They want Jesus to flee, not out of concern for Jesus' welfare, but because they've been the targets of his preaching. If the Pharisees can get Jesus to go in hiding, then the Pharisees can go back to being the religious big dogs in town. Jesus will no longer be around to call out their hypocrisy and sin. They will again have the credibility with the people and they will have the glory they believe is due their knowledge and piety. And so what the Pharisees miss, though, is that Jesus is not going to flee. Jesus is not going to hide, because he has set his face to Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the city of the temple, the city which David established as the heart of Israel, that's Jesus' destination. This is where the coming Messiah was to come and establish the glory of David's throne. However, Jesus is not going to Jerusalem to sit on a throne in a palace and be crowned with a golden crown. Rather, he has set his face to Jerusalem to die. 
He was going to this city to be crowned with a crown of thorns. At the heart of all that Jesus was doing in the Gospels, the miracles, the parables, the healing, it was all to point to one central truth. The Son of God has come to die on a cross for the salvation of the world. The plan of the Pharisees to scare Jesus does not work because they don't understand what Jesus has come to do. They think their motives, motives for power and glory, motives to preserve their status in their lives, they think those things are what Jesus is about. But Jesus, as the Son of God, has not taken on flesh to be lauded by people. Jesus has come to die. He has come to empty himself of glory on the cross and be glorified through his death. Jesus was determined to bring salvation to the world. So Jesus responds to the Pharisees and tells them that not only is he going to flee, he's going to complete his work by going to Jerusalem. And it's there he's going to be made visible to everyone. He's not going in hiding. He's going to make himself known to everyone. In our reading from Philippians, St. Paul has a phrase to describe people like these Pharisees. He calls them enemies of the cross of Christ. Enemies of the cross work for destruction, says Paul. They glory in their shame. They're consumed with the affairs of the world. They're more interested in their own achievements, their own pedigrees, than in the salvation offered through Christ. St. Paul says that for such people, their God is their belly. The word for belly here in Greek is not the usual word for a human stomach, but it's the Greek word for the stomach of an animal. Paul is saying that the enemies of the cross are not interested in suffering like Christ for the sake of others. Instead, they're only interested in satisfying their appetites, their undiscriminating needs. If they want power, Paul says, they'll step over anyone to get it. If they want rich and gourmet food, they'll stuff themselves with it. If they want money, they'll pursue any unethical business to get it. They pursue their lust and appetites with no regard for the goods of others. They live only for the moment. So the Pharisees in our gospel text were pursuing their own appetite for power. They wanted Jesus out of the way so that they were going to say whatever they could to get him to go away. And when this plan doesn't work, they'll go further. And they'll push for the execution of Jesus. They'll bribe his disciples to betray him. And they'll push for the Roman authorities to arrest him. Jesus is a threat to their lust for power. Well, in this Lenten season, we, like Jesus, are called to set our faces to Jerusalem. That is to say that we're not going to be close to God by pursuing our worldly appetites. No, we're only going to see God most clearly as we become confident in God's fatherly embrace to us through the cross of Christ. And so in this Lenten season, it's important that we name before us the enemies of the cross that tell us that goodness is to be found in our own selfish pursuits and pleasures. Our psalm for today opens up, The Lord is my light and my salvation, whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life, whom shall I be afraid? When evildoers assail me to devour my flesh, my adversaries and foes, they shall stumble and fall. In times of war, in times of confronting great evil, this seems like it would be a very useful prayer. 
We've all seen images recently from Ukraine and from the war and the current refugee crisis happening there. Right? And in the realist sense, we imagine being able to identify enemies in that situation. And so it seems like an extraordinary thing for us in a rather peaceful town and a peaceful congregation to pray something so extraordinary that our enemies are assailing us, that God should spare us from these enemies. Right? Few, few of us fear the kind of danger we've seen recently of those in eastern Ukraine who have real reasons to fear. And so maybe I'm wrong. Some of you can really name enemies, people who seek to devour your flesh, people who would kill you given the opportunity, but I can't. There are certainly people who don't like me, people who disagree with me. But if you ask me to name my enemies, I would be truly at a loss. St. Paul, however, says be imitators of him. He's convinced, it seems, that there are greater enemies than the ones who seek to devour our flesh. Paul tells his readers that we must watch carefully for the enemies of the cross of Christ. Although we may not be able to name enemies who would kill us or who would persecute us, I am certain there are people, there are forces, there are pressures assailing us each day in and outside of the church, that are the enemies of the cross of Christ. There are voices that tell you that lasting happiness comes from a bigger house, from a better job, from accumulating more stuff. Those voices are all enemies of the cross. There are voices that assure you that you are doing well in God's world, so God must be so pleased with you. Or worse, there are voices that tell you that coming to church and being a good person means you'll be blessed with financial security and great health and all manner of worldly happiness. We also, all of us, face the enemies of distraction that are at our gates. And many of us know this enemy well. It tells us that checking our phone just one more time is not such a big deal. It tempts us from keeping a few moments of silence in which we might think about our need for God. And instead, it tells us that we should make our lives look as beautiful and perfect as possible on social media? How do we have time to take up our cross and follow Jesus in this world in which we're always connected, always checking emails, always answering texts, always catching up on some social media feed and so on? Right? And, and worse, the greatest enemy, the greatest enemy of the cross tells you, oh, that you can earn your salvation. Right? The enemy offers a false gospel to you that says, only if you go to church enough, give enough to charity, be honest enough in your work, then you'll be saved. That's the enemy that tries to keep you from turning to Christ for your salvation. Our faces cannot be set to Jerusalem while they're only turned inward, living for ourselves. Rather, for our faces to be set to Jerusalem, they must be set to Christ. They must be set to his cross. They must be ready to receive Christ himself. And so Lent is the time to name the enemies of the cross in our lives. It's a time to get real and to say that we're always being tempted to try to find life in something other than Christ. It's a time to cry out like the psalmist, the Lord is the stronghold of my life. And so that we can face these enemies through him. And so turn to Christ in this Lenten season. He has set his face to Jerusalem for you. He has borne the pain of the cross for you. He has given all for you. So turn to him. 
Turn to him and all the enemies that want to separate you from God will be truly defeated in your life. Amen.